Hallo, um, ik ben Sandrine. <laughs> Bonjour, je m'appelle Christa. Welcome to Step Into Mondays, the podcast where we bridge theory to the practice and where we forget languages. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> It is December. Our brains are fried. So although we're recording that in December, Who knows when you'll hear it? No, you'll hear it in January. So a bit of delay. So welcome, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our new listeners. And welcome back to the ones who've been with us for a while. We love hearing from you and we love know, engaging with you. So welcome, welcome. So Krista, what do we have going today? Well, I'm super excited. We have a, a fantastic slate of guests plural this time um not know, just I'm one so happy and they are our fabulous colleagues from the university of alabama at birmingham otherwise known as uab um they are team teaching a class that i just think is so cool that we needed to share it with all of the world language teachers out there so we are going to let because there are several we're going to let them introduce themselves and you know tell what they teach and maybe you know what their native language is um because we do have some non-native english speakers you know um and then we will get started so we let's see um we could go with Erica first, because that's who I see. Okay. Hello. Um, I'm Erica Hiller-Rinker. I am the Associate Professor of German in our department. Um, I am the only instructor of German, and so I, I, think, I think some additional commentary about that will come out in at least what I've anticipated you may ask of us. Um, that means you're the top German teacher at UAB. And nobody can take that crown away from you. Well, okay. Depending <laughs> on the day. You know, there's, okay. Um, anyways, um, I am also, um, as often, in, assigned to teach the um, FLL 120 class, our foreign cultures class. Um, and I seek to bring in um, some of my own German language um, interests in um, literature and art. Um, so I mean, from German speaking countries, not, not only Germany. Um, and then also um, try and think about sort of all the time um, how 120 and 121 can work together or, um, help inform the other, maybe um, just add new life or substance to the other, or at least my, my part of, of, one, of, the, of the world cultures class. So um, anyways, it's enough about me. All right, thank you. And then we have Julian. Hello, uh, I am uh, Julian, Juliana Ribas, and uh, I'm a professor at UAB and teach uh, uh, Spanish and I'm also the uh, chair of the uh, department, 
and uh, uh, we all teach a little bit of uh, everything, but uh, typically I teach the uh, children's literature course, the translation, intermediate translation, uh, or introduction to translation, and uh, the Cervantes or Golden Age uh, courses occasionally. Mm -hmm. And you are from Spain? I am from Spain. Spanish is my native language. Mm -hmm. And I have been uh, in the U.S. for 30-something years already. Isn't it funny how we lose oh. count of those years? I'm like, yeah, yeah 20, I can't do the math. It's too high. Yeah, I <laughs> wish I could. <laughs> I could say fewer years, but <laughs> that's the reality. Right. Okay. And then John? Hi, I'm John Moore. I am an associate professor of Spanish in the Department of Foreign Languages and Literatures at UAB. I've been at UAB a while, and um, one of the things that I love about teaching is the diversity of our students and the diversity of courses that I get to teach. Um, Spanish courses from 101 to upper division lit courses and, and in between courses for the professions um, and also the foreign cultures courses of which the um, songs of social change is is one um, and then teaching courses individually but also team taught it keeps things interesting to to have that variety um, and keeps me learning and so that's what i love about it i I'm a native of the U.S. Uh, from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and um, I am not a heritage speaker either, although my mom's cousin was consul to Honduras and was proficient in Spanish, and he was very encouraging of me as I was learning Spanish as an adolescent. And um, my great aunt was married to a Spaniard, the Spanish movie actor Valentin Pareda. Oh. Um, but again, that doesn't make me a heritage speaker. Although I do, does help me feel some affinity. So you, you were around language for a long time when you were super young then. Well, uh, we didn't live in the same places. So uh, Frank Dahl was his name or uh, Francisco. Um, and he was in Missouri. Okay. So. Okay, cool. And then last but not least, we have Charlie. Bonjour. <laughs> uh, so I am Charlie Rostrat. I teach the, the French language and the, the, the subsequent cultures embedded in the French language. Uh, I am from France, so I am a native speaker. Uh, and this is my 10th year teaching. So my anniversary this year. <laughs> and interestingly, you were my replacement at UAB. And part of the group, we also have um, Yumi, Yumi Takamiya, who was unable to join us. She had a previous commitment, but she was part of this group and she teaches Japanese language and culture, has been teaching for the last 30 years 
including some volunteering teaching experience when she was a college student in Japan and she is a native of Japan. So let's get into this. So thank y'all so much for coming because we, um, you know, I really think this course is interesting and I was telling Sandrine about it. And so she had, you know, lots of questions. So let's get started. Okay, so the first question really is, how do you come up with that idea? What made you think, hey, we need to do a course that involves songs and social change? Because you don't typically see that. I mean, I think it's fabulous, but you don't typically see that. So what was the spark? How did it get started? Well, when I came, um, when I joined the uh, department back in, in 2015, uh, one of the... Uh, situations that we had to address collectively was a reform or changes in the uh, in the foreign language uh, major. Um, in our university we have a foreign language major with different concentration in, in target languages uh, French, uh, Spanish and hopefully we'll keep developing other languages as well. So the, the, the major back then was tremendously uh, long and very onerous to students. So we had to change, but it was not a good thing to just to delete courses. We also needed to uh, uh, replace uh, some courses with new ones. And this was the stellar uh, course. So um, I think uh, I proposed this uh, uh, course um, based on some uh, previous experiences that I had with podcasts and uh, music in, uh, in radio. And um, it had to be also a, a, a course of uh, culture. So the course was born as a team taught course because we wanted to um, bring together the uh, tremendous expertise uh, of different languages and cultures in the department. Um, and the original idea was to uh, uh, bring uh, you know, the music uh, that is most uh, popular in different countries and languages and, and areas of, of the world to, uh, to all students. So that was the first, uh, the first phase of it. Uh, after we completed the, um, uh, the, um, the first uh, offering of the course, um, students gave us feedback and one of the uh, uh, most frequent comments from students was that they would have preferred a more focused uh, topic for the course. And so the, uh, the team got together, discussed uh, uh, about that, what could the new focus be and we uh, decided that uh, Songs uh, of Social Change uh, was a good uh, topic. 
It is uh, a topic of uh, current interest and general interest in the population, not just in the United States, but also abroad. And uh, music makes it really uh, very interesting. And, and uh, so that's what we did. And uh, maybe John could take it How from- How many times has it been taught? Uh, we have taught it no, uh, two going. times, uh, but okay. uh, with this focus only once. Uh, the okay. last, uh, the last uh, time, and uh, I think Erika wants to uh, say something. No, I just wanted to add that that earlier this morning, um, I took a little break between some grading grading of, of some exams. And I saw that NPR had named 2020 as the year of protest music. Um, and so this second iteration of the course was offered in the spring of 2020 before we had, I mean, it was planned to be taught then and we, and we started it before we had any idea of what was coming our way. So not just having to adapt to this global pandemic, but also reckoning a reckoning of how the global pandemic affected different population groups um, very differently and, and the music that came out of that in particular um, and um, the attention drawn to such disparities by other horrific events um, in, in our country in particular in the summer. And so um, we didn't know the timeliness of the course, but, I, but we had an opportunity to keep talking with our students via Zoom um, <clears throat> between you know, the transition at spring break to um, the end of April, you know, to, to make these connections um, or to start making these connections, just what cultural products were coming out of a very disparate international response to um, what we were experiencing. So um, the global pandemic. Um, so we, you know, we didn't have the, op we, we, we had not yet in, encountered what would come in the summer, but, um, but we were already seeing very different international responses to, um, to the, to the um, pandemic and then the protests resulting from that. So, anyways. you know, I think yeah. we should probably start um, just stop a second and tell everybody that this course is actually, it is a team taught course and it's taught in our department in English. Um, it's not necessarily taught in the target language, but you do bring in all the cultural aspects and you look at songs in other languages, correct? Mm -hmm. That is correct, yes. And, and I may add uh, now uh, speaking as uh, department chair that many foreign languages uh, department uh, are a collage of different languages and work independently. Uh, but this type of uh, courses, which are part of the core courses of the department taught in English, as Krista uh, said, 
give us an opportunity uh, to uh, collaborate uh, with each other and to feel like uh, one department rather than a collage of different languages with different challenges and so on. Mm -hmm. So uh, from a, a, a department chair point of view, uh, this is something significant. And the fact that it is a team taught course uh, speaks about this level of cooperation and collaboration that, uh, that we share with, uh, with each other. Yes, that's what I was thinking. You know, this, this course really shows the power of collaboration um, because we are all stronger together and when we work together. And that was another, what I thought very unique aspect um, of the course. So um, can you guys, how did this team dynamic, you know, work? How did you d decide who was going to do what? Was there a team leader or how did that work? I will um, take it in part. I was asked, Julian asked me to lead the, be the lead teacher of the um, most recent iteration of the course. And it's basically um, part teaching the course and part helping to organize and, and, and manage the course online. Um, to varying degrees of success. It did involve uh, a lot of planning. We had multiple meetings throughout the semester prior. We actually started when we were designing the course, we, we met regularly um, to conceptualize the course. And, and so those meetings were important in terms of deciding who could contribute what so that we we're able to best match our strengths and our areas of expertise and make complementary choices of songs. We also supported one another in gathering materials, articles. We held each other accountable for um, coming up with a reading to support the song itself um, by a certain deadline and then to come up with questions about those readings that would hold students accountable for having completed it so that the, so that the discussions that we had in class would be more meaningful and we wouldn't have um, a significant portion of students who hadn't done the reading as well as listened to the song. And sometimes those materials um, were not just an essay or an article, they were a, a film, as in the case of uh, Charlie's um, song, which he'll tell us about, and um, represented uh, less commonly taught regions, not just uh, France, for example, in, in the French-speaking world, but also uh, French Francophone Africa. And, and so we were able to discuss those things and and that was um, a strength of the course, as you're saying. I think uh, it's a good example of the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. So you came together, you discussed all of that, but I'm guessing like you all had like a different week when you went in and or multiple times and it's just one person who went was dealing with whatever language they were presenting or how did you work that I'm i was there every week 
um, but one when I had a personal conflict. But, and then whoever was the primary teacher also was there. And the, um, in that sense, the lead teacher is like a host or an MC of the event and introducing the um, guest teacher, if you will, for that, for that session and um, making sure that students are keeping up with their project, their final project, which itself is a podcast in this course. Um, right, right. Um, awesome. So, and then that teacher um, would, or professor would take over uh, for the class period. And then um, I might intervene halfway through for housekeeping things. And then at the end, I would do a wrap up. Um, that's pretty much how it would work on a day-to-day -day basis. And then sometimes we would have a guest speaker. In one instance, we invited Tanya Ott, who herself makes award-winning podcasts. Um, Finding Harriet is one that's uh, really brilliant that she did. And she also was on um, the radio for a number of years and NPR host uh, WBHM here locally and then Georgia Public Radio. And she led a workshop for our students on how to create a podcast and it was very um, powerful and, and useful, I thought. Cool. Okay. Erica, Erica, do you want to say something? something? Yeah, I just, I, I know that um, part of the purpose of this podcast is um, to um, inspire um, the taking up of similar work by others if they're listening and feel like, oh, that's something I wanna try. And so it would be helpful to give some um, constructive feedback about our own process, just listening to how John was describing it. I think um, one of the things that could be done better that would, I think, be helpful to the students is that um, I think at least the adjacent weeks should be considered in one's presentation. So for example, if um, John had presented the week before me, I wish that I had had greater familiarity with what he had um, discussed for the students so that for the student's benefit, I could sort of weave that into, I could make some better transitions week to week. And I think we were able to do that a little bit just sort of coming out of our discussions of who would teach when to sort of balance representation over the, the semester. But because we taught this once a week, or at least in this semester, once a week, and there, you know, one language a week, there it was still very siloed in that regard. And, and it would have been, I think, better done if there were more um, sort of like deliberate um, efforts made to relate one's own selection back to at least what came immediately before and use it as a preview to what was coming the next week. So sort of put it on the guest um, instructors to at least be um, more familiar with those two other other presentations um, to do some weaving that would have been helpful to the students. Um, and, and some of us did try to do that 
like try to get them to do that. Um, but especially teaching the way we had to teach by the end of the spring, right. um, you know, everything just felt like just very much in its own moment and not related to the other. And, and um, I think that I would like to do at least that part better. So. Mm -hmm. So how did you guys go about choosing, you know, your song? Because you you actually did the students listen to the songs in the target language or did you give them the English version or how did that work? Who can answer that one? I think Charlie, he hasn't, he's been very quiet over there in Paris drinking his coffee or his pasties or whatever he's drinking over there. <laughs> how, do you, how do you know it's just tea or coffee? <laughs> I mean, you know, I threw in pastis, which is definitely not the right region. I do want to, it's a little bit early in Alabama for vodka, but you know, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, my Polish, uh, my Polish family side would approve that comment, I think. But <laughs> so in terms of the song, um, in my part, so I taught two, two classes, one with which was co-taught with John. Uh, and I think we'll come back to that afterwards. Um, but the other one that I, that I taught was uh, a Congolese song. Um, and it was called Independence Chacha, Independence Chacha uh, by Joseph Cabellet and um, Cabecele and the African Jazz Group, um, which is a jazz band uh, which makes Congolese rumba. And so uh, we listened to the to the to the song in the target language, which was Lingala, one of the official languages or the main languages in in Congo. Um, but I actually refused to give them the English translation of the song. Um, and so there were two reasons for that. The first one was I wanted to create a sort of um, reverse effect. Um, about you know the, the dominant language dynamic um, that has been installed in the world, and so what I mean by that is, today English has become the sort of mediative language in the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you if you have a French person and a German person today speaking, um, they won't speak each other's language, but they'll use English as a medium to speak with one another, right? right. So it, it became the mediative language in the world um, because of, of British colonization and, and, and also because of the US cultural imperialism. Uh, when the US makes a movie or a song, it's displayed all over the world after that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so um, what I wanted my students is to feel like the way foreign people might feel when they hear an English song which is sort of displayed everywhere and imposed on, upon you. And so I wanted to see what words they would pick on, um, if they would be, un, if they would be uh, able to understand the rhythm of the song as well as the context, um, to sort of you know, draw meaning out of the, uh, without the fluency. So to draw meaning without the fluency. And I think that's what a song helps us do, right? Um, and that comes to, to my second point is music is not only about words. And so that's why I didn't want to give them the translation. Um, many people today sing American songs, English songs, um, and they have no idea what the lyrics are, you know? 
it just hum the songs or mm -hmm. or replace them with words you know um, so a song does not necessarily carry a message um, for social change in its lyrics um, but it's also in the melody there's something in the music itself which sort of break down barriers you know um, you don't need to speak the language or, or sing the lyrics of a song to sort of um, perfectly grasp the full message that is embedded for social change. And so I think that's, um, that's what music does. Music carries the message for social change. So, social ah, I'm going to try again so you can edit it. <laughs> oh no, that's staying, buddy. <laughs> you better not. You better not. <laughs> oh, it is staying. I have messed up plenty of words as no, Krista or listeners. So you good. What, what I wanted to say is that mu music, you know, carries the message for social change within the melody itself, not only through its message. So that was the intent. Um, in not giving the English translation in my case. I know some of my colleagues did a different way, um, but that's, that's the way I saw it. Did you at any point, um, since you didn't give them the translation, but after you had them react to you know, the music, the melody, the type of instruments, all of that, did you tell them, oh, this is what it's talking about? So um, in my case, I gave him a movie to watch. Okay. And in the movie, the song appears. So the movie is called Lumumba. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it, Lumumba, Death of a Prophet. And it's by Haitian um, film director, Raoul Peck. Um, and so it just shows you also, you know, the international dimension of the struggle. If you have a Haitian uh, film director who was concerned by the Congolese uh, independence from Belgium. And so... Um, the, the thing that the context helped to sort of grasp the, the an underlying meaning of what the song is about. And then there's words, you know, that you can sort of figure out. Uh, independence, cha-cha, for example. Um, you could hear it in, I don't know, a dozen languages and it would still be similar, you know. Um, and then you also had names. And so they were words that were cognates and helped in that regards. Um, but um, the purpose was not necessarily to grasp literally what the song meant, but so, sort of uh, contextualize it and understand why it was so relevant for um, the Congolese independence and, and yeah, and African um, movements of independence in the 60s. You know, and I think that's really important what you were saying about, you know, that you wanted your students to understand what it feels like for the rest of the world to be inundated with all of these English songs. Because, I mean, here in the United States, especially, we are so ethnocentric. I mean, we are just like ethnocentric focused all about us and we don't realize what it's like and we don't necessarily have that, um, that empathy for others, we're like, what's the deal with that? They, a lot of times we don't have any kind of frame of reference for that. And so, I mean, that is a great way, I think, to challenge our students um, and mm -hmm. to really kind of broaden their perspective. Right, I, I usually tell my students that I want them to be comfortable at being uncomfortable. Yes. And so this movement of discomfort is sort of positive 
where you have to, um, where you don't have all the codes, but you're still going to draw meaning out of it. Right. Um, and it doesn't mean superficially, right? Um, it still has to be, um, you still have to draw meaning in a very intellectual and critically, in um, critical manner. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it's very important because I think being the dominant culture in the world, we tend to forget that idea of discomfort that we bring to the rest of the world on a regular basis. Um, so yeah, that was the idea behind it. That's really cool. That's cool. a great way to have it. Yeah. Krista, along the lines of what you're saying, if I could jump in here, and this is John, by the way, for mm -hmm. all of you out there. Um, one of the students commented on that point specifically that she did not realize, and we did a survey at the beginning of the semester and then at the end of the semester. And she basically said, I just did not realize that there was this much music out there in all corners of the world. And I just can't believe how the lack of exposure that I've had to it. Although I will say that that is changing a lot, especially with regard to Spanish language music, which you do hear on top 40 radio. Bad Bunny is huge right now mm -hmm. and only sings and raps in Spanish, even though he speaks English. And I mean, his songs, can be studied as literature. You could have a whole course just on Bad Bunny songs. And <clears throat> there is, it's out there if you're paying attention, especially with the um, Spanish language music. Mm -hmm. uh, Cardi B, you know, has brought in artists like this and then they do their own thing and mm -hmm. it gets some traction. So, um, but you're right. I would just wanted to affirm what you were saying, that that has also been the student's perspective. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So what are some, of, what did some of the rest of you do um, with your let's, songs? Let's go with Yumi since let's oh. weave her in there and then go to everybody else's. So Yumi did Japanese and what she said was that there's not really one song which closely connects to one particular social change or social movement. And she said, there's so much historical events which changed Japan dramatically. And so she picked a hit song that was popular when Japan was in the process of recovery from World War II, which I think that's super interesting. I am not even gonna attempt to read the title of the song um, because I- I've just, Go through that again. Sukiyaki. Okay, yeah, but she has another. Name. She has another thing. She said the song is. She has something. And then Sukiyaki song by Kyu Sakamoto. Um, and she's got a YouTube link, so I'll put that in the show note. And then um, I found that interesting. She said the song is still popular in Japan. Many people still sing it, especially when they face difficult situations, such as the earthquake on March 11 of 2011 or COVID-19. Um, and I, I love that last statement she has. She said, we say rice is Japanese soul food 
And this song, Sukiyaki song, is our soul song, which represents Japan as a whole. Look up sky, be strong. So that one was pretty cool. So that's what she did. So we have French, we have Japanese. So what else do we have? Song-wise. We have German. <laughs> so um, I will say I I'm a little hesitant to to <laughs> share what the song I chose just because for others in German studies I think it'll it'll sound like oh god come on work a little harder dig a little deeper I mean it this was a very well known song um, maybe not to our students. Um, of traditional undergraduate age, but to older students in the room, non-traditional students, um, to do Nana's 99 red balloons, which red appears nowhere in the in the German language title. So 99 was that was exciting to see um, you know which of the students were already very familiar with it. Um, and then for whom it was brand new, but I chose that song not because of um, its any overt address on its part of social change, but but because of um, I mean honestly the 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 decision to choose that song came out of hearing it being played in one of the first scenes of um, Deutschland 83, which was a recent, um, actually a recently wrapped um, series that, um, that looked at sort of, I mean, what I looked at it for was sort of signs in um, East Germany that things were not as they were being reported to be. Um, and so, you know, to have this Western or West German um, and international a Western world hit be played um, in the in the living room of um, an East German family. I mean, not just any East German family, but this the the young the young adult son works as a border guard, and you see him immediately prior to the celebration of his mom's birthday confiscating. Um, cultural uh, materials from um, some West German visitors. And then you see him in his home environment enjoying West, a, a hit from, from West Germany. And so um, <clears throat> I really just sort of took that as my invitation to talk about what it might mean that, especially with the appearance of the um, Berlin Wall in 1961 that you would have those who would maybe describe themselves as ethnically German or German be now two very different populations of people. So West German versus East German, where there were things that were becoming so distinct they could no longer really relate and where there was still overlap. And so, um, you know, I. And, and we did get into sort of subtle, like if we read the song this way, in what way might it be 
exactly what we're pitching it as so the song of social change so you know a consideration of just this you know um, space race and cold war and but i really wanted to look at it more not um so you know the 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 two big sides main sides of the um cold war but just how that played out in a um in a place that 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 was that was one place prior to the um the second world war and how you know there they these different populations of germans were made to sort of side with very different um ideologies and um anyway so that's how that's how i chose okay we will do this even though it is a very familiar song um and and was available. I mean, I could not have hidden that from, from the students. Um, it was available in both German and English. I mean, Nena sang it in German and in English, although it was not their English translation. Um, but anyway, so but many know, of I us knew of it. It's okay to, to do so because honestly, yes, I remember that song. Me too. Uh, yeah, very well. <laughs> but yeah, these the younger generation, I mean, they really might not be familiar with it, and that's okay. And um, I did, it was a very, oh, I'm sorry, Krista, I didn't mean to. No, 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 I was just saying, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I wouldn't feel, I wouldn't feel bad about and it. Even just in the title itself, like, so because it was both, it was produced both in English and in German, we could look at this <laughs> very glaring difference in how the talk, song was titled. So um, to maybe account for a similarity in sound, so maybe syllable counts or something more like what Charlie was, was mentioning, what just what sort of physical impressions does, does do the words make? Um, but that, that red would appear in the German language title, but not in the German language, in the English language title, but not in the German language title. And so this, again, this kind of invitation, well, what do we associate with red? What could be the, 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 the social, the issue we are, um, we are meant to be thinking about, talking about? Um, and so anyways, it's just some, some very sort of, I think, basic but exciting to student sort of like an entry into what what does one do with translation like what decisions does one make when when translating so you know word versus sense and anyways <clears throat> john so this presentation was exciting for students and as i recall erica correct me if i'm wrong you had students who were not german specialists who decided to do their presentation on this song because they were so engaged. So one of the, is that right? That is, that's right. Yeah, I mean, there were no, there were no German students in the class. So to have, to have a group form and select this as their, the focus of their final presentation was something. <laughs> so for me, it was interesting to see how some students decided to, they had free reign over what song or area they wanted to, to focus on in their podcasts or what wound up being presentations uh, in most cases due to the pandemic. And 
some of them chose to stay in their area of specialization. They wanted to do something Spanish related to Spanish, for example, in, in certain cases. But other instances, students had studied, um, they had studied Spanish and they'd also studied Japanese and hey, let's do a presentation on, on Germany as well. And so it was uh, it, emblematic of the way some of our students um, want to be multilingual and, and not just bilingual and multicultural. And so that crossover was interesting. So what I would say, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead. I would just say that is, one, that is another thing we could do. Um, and, maybe, and I think maybe we even discussed that going in, but then tried to remove barriers once the semester got very complicated. But I, I feel like we did have that discussion. Like we need to encourage, if not require, and maybe we should require that students work outside of their area of um, their own area of uh, expertise or interest. So if they're Spanish students, have them choose anything but a Spanish language song, um, just to really encourage, well, many things, that which Charlie described, and then also just, let's do this. Let's just broaden our worldviews a little bit more, so. So this fascinating conversation ended up taking a lot longer than we had expected. So I am cutting the episode in half. You will now hear the funny moment from mistake or something that has happened using the language. And next week, we will come back to this episode. You might see a little bit of a recap and then we'll finish up because it was absolutely fascinating. All right, let's move towards something more uplifting, more fun, mistakes that we have made. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure there is plenty as people who speak other languages, who've been to other countries, um, you know, learning, kind of going through it. And we have a whole episode with Krista and I shared some of the stuff we've made and we asked that of all of our guests. We've even shared others. Um, if you haven't heard, our listeners might, but when I was early on over here and had met my now husband, his dad was sick and was hoarse. And so I had mentioned it. And uh, next time I saw him, I was like, oh, how's your dad doing? Does he still sound like a horse? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So yeah, he, he had a good laugh about it too. Now I laugh about it, but yeah, so... What do you want to share with us, with our audience, so they can take that back to their students and show them, you know, mistakes are part of learning. We all make them and it's funny at the end and we all live through it. So first of all, I have a suggestion and that, that you connect the aha moment with what we might call the ha-ha moment. <laughs> that is good. That is so, good. I need to do a little jingle for it. So yeah, that might be it. And sometimes those two might be connected. Um, mm -hmm. My my aha moment is when I realized that I would never be a native speaker, uh, even if I lived in Costa Rica for the rest of my life. And um, those of you who have been living in the United States for a long time and from another country may identify with that. You could live yep. for the rest of your life, still never going to be a native speaker. 
So I wanted to become one and I realized at a certain point I couldn't. Um, and I had to accept that limitation. My ha ha moment is when I was helping some informal off the book tour guides of uh, Arenal Volcano in Fortuna, Costa Rica, give tours, bilingual tours. They didn't have a, um, a, a, an interpreter. And um, I, I didn't know they were relying on me. They were going to be relying on me to be their interpreter for their program. <laughs> I, I served as one um, when they asked me to and got the, got the tour for free. And then afterwards we went out and um, there was a girl from Argentina, from Buenos Aires that introduced herself. And uh, I, I introduced myself. I said, uh, soy Juan um, and she said, I'm John. And she said, yo Laura, um, meaning I Laura. But I heard the yo, not as yo, meaning I, but as part of her name. And I said, Hola, show Laura, mucho gusto. Hi, show Laura, nice to meet you. And everybody burst out laughing because I um, was not accustomed to her uh, Porteña dialect. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. All right, who's next? Don't be shy. We've all made them. It's okay. Um, I, I can share a couple, N neither um, one of which is German, although I'm sure there, I know okay. that there have been many along the way. Um, but recently we have done a series of job searches and um, most recently um, to fill a position for a Spanish instructor and or um, assistant professor and uh, I have myself recently been a student of Spanish and I really really liked going to the teaching demonstrations um, to see just uh, the, so in the most recent um, job search the the course being taught was was um, medical Spanish and so it was outside of something I had already um, taken or, you know, beyond my level. And I, I, I just really liked going in to see how much I could hang on to. So less, a, less in my case about how is this person performing as an instructor and more like, what can I, what can I do in this class as a student? So anyways, after, you know, participating more like a student than as a colleague in those classes, I walked out, I don't even know if John Moore remembers this, but I walked out with John and Krista from one of them. Um, and I had been teaching myself all morning. I mean, I myself had been teaching all morning and then went straight into this demonstration. And I was just really very hungry. And I walked out of the classroom and I said something like, <laughs> Tango ombre instead of <laughs> tango ombre. And I mean, and I just went with that. I, I have a man instead of I'm just so hungry. And I, I really was so hungry, but but what but what the world got from me was tango ombre. Um and then, 
They're like, she's so proud of it too. Like, wow, way to go. Thank you for still announcing. Must be quite a guy. I'm just very hungry. Um, so anyways, um, and then a less, maybe less, less um, funny because it was not public. Um, it's just this realization in my own native language this expression we have as something being beyond the pale, um, I thought referred to like a pale that one <laughs> go up in. Like this, this is so gross to me that I, my, I am vomiting beyond the pale. Like, <laughs> I didn't realize it referred to like the marking of boundaries and that this oh. is outside the bounds of permissible behavior. I really just thought this is so repulsive that beyond my pale. So, oh my you know, and I think that that's, um, important to to just sort of admit just like John's admission like you know we we've got to manage our expectations sometimes like, <laughs> in my native language and I and I worked with that meaning until possibly a year or two ago I mean <laughs> and so so you know we just like we've got to show each other give, give each other some grace when we make some of these mistakes and I think it's you know, encouraging for our students to know, I, I, I do not get everything right in English, um, <laughs> but we just keep working on it. So anyways. that we do. Julian, do you have one you want to share? Uh, sure, sure. Um, I had a lot of um, uh, difficulties trying to differentiate, excuse me, and squeeze me when I started <laughs> to... <laughs> When I started to learn the um, the language, it was very difficult uh, for me to figure out. Also, uh, chicken and kitchen. Uh, I would have to stop and think about: Do I mean kitchen or chicken? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so those those are pretty funny because uh, they put me in. Kind of funny situation. That's how you get a sexual harassment lawsuit right there. <laughs> <laughs> Squeeze me. <laughs> Squeeze me. <laughs> well, you know, my, my niece came to, when she was 15 years old, she came to visit me uh, to the uh, United States and, and stay for the summer uh, to improve her English. And I remember in one occasion that she came home and uh, she said, uh, that boy molested me. <laughs> <laughs> and what? <laughs> of course, this is a false cognate. And to uh, mo uh, molestar in, in Spanish means bother, uh, oh. <laughs> not molest. And, and that's, that's how we really need to be very careful with false cognates. Because we think that uh, we're saying something and we say <laughs> something else. <laughs> you know, when I first came to the U.S., anytime people said Spanish, I thought they said spinach. And I was like, that is so weird. They have the same word for Spanish as they do for that vegetable spinach. It took me years to catch that one. Like, yeah. Charlie, take us home. 
I'll take you further from from home. But my first, I'll I'll tell you a little story. Um, uh, where I connected with immigrants on how to mispronounce things uh, mm -hmm. in English. So I was in um, when I was a young fellow. Uh, when I was 21, I decided to do a, you know, a road trip of the U.S. And I was in San Francisco and, uh, and, and the apartment that we rented was in front of a fast food called Popeye's. <laughs> you guys know that fast food? Uh -huh. Yep. So very popular like, in the South. <laughs> very popular in the South too, right? And um, so my, uh, when I go somewhere that I don't know, I try to remember a place sort of um, you know navigate throughout the city and so that was my uh, that was the place that stuck in front of my in my mind and um, we went out and I came back and I was like okay I need to walk back to the to the fast food, fast food store because the apartment is right in front of it and I started asking people because um, I didn't know it was Popeyes it was pronounced Popeyes I called it Popeyes and I think, so where's the uh, where's the Popeyes fast food? So I asked the first person, American, laughs and say, "Oh, it's down there," and then corrects me. And then I, I would say about three hundred feet after that, I see another person, and I say, "And I say, hey, where's the Popeyes? You know the fast food place?" And he says, "Popeyes? What is Popeyes?" <laughs> and he responded, and I said. Popeyes? And he said, oh, Popeyes, it's down there. And it, was, <laughs> and it was a Mexican immigrant who pronounced it. <laughs> it just shows you that sometimes if you mispronounce things, depending on whom you have in front of you, you may find your way. You might just get there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, anybody have any last thoughts of anything you didn't say that you really, really wanted to mention or anything like that? So much to say that y'all are all out. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for having us. It was really a pleasure for all of us to be part of the podcast. Oh. Thank you for coming. We were tickled pink when Krista brought up this, the, the class. She's like, yeah, they did that. And I was like, oh, absolutely. We need to talk to them and, you know, see who's taught it and all of that and what they've done. It's important because we were talking about social justice. And, um, you know, uh, back in the summer, there was one week where a lot of the podcasts went uh, on a blackout. So they did not release an episode or if they did, they were releasing name of the victims. And we acknowledged it, but we went on because we wanted to talk about how it needs to be addressed in the language classroom. That is one place where we really can touch that. And we wanted to revisit, but we didn't feel like either one of them either one of us fully qualified as white women because we don't know i mean i know as an immigrant sometimes the abuse we go through but i'm still a white woman i'm still a privileged woman so you guys having that class and putting it on a different aspect different spectrum is is fabulous because i think it's important as a good way for us to revisit it so thank you so much for coming in Alunity. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate all of that.